You're listening to Deliberate Living. The podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a nomad, coach, creator, and outdoors woman. And I'm Beers, a vagabond, joy artist, permissionary, and story breaker. We explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms. Finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, welcome back. This week, uh, Holly and I have Nicole here with us, and she made a very big, very unexpected uh, life change in the last couple of years, and we wanted to talk with her about it. Yeah, so um, Nicole was uh, very similar to me a few years ago and, like, was not really on the baby train, did not want to be a mom, did not want to have babies. Um, And then COVID and other life things happened, and she decided to to intentionally um, bring another life into this world. And because her story is so... Just like non-stereotypical, not the one you hear all the time about, you know, women like always wanting to be mothers. Um, Now that she is a mother, you know, she loves it. And I want to talk about the process. I want to talk about like how she went from point A to point B and how she feels now and what that experience was like from somebody who didn't really like daydream about it and then suddenly changed her mind. (laughs) So hi, Nicole. (laughs) Um, will you tell yeah, us- I'm stoked to hear a little of your story. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your bundle of joy right now, and then we can go back to uh, to a few years ago. My bundle of joy. Her name is <laughs> Tallulah Wren. She's about to be one in a few days. Uh, she's hilarious. She says mostly my dog's name and dog. She also says mama and dada, but the dog is far more important to her. Sure. She's trying to walk. She claps. She makes us laugh all the time. She's super determined. And yeah, she's like, not to be super cliche, but it all feels very cliche. She's like the light of my life. Unexpectedly. She's so great. So that's, that's her. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, when you and your husband met back in college, mm-hmm. you had no inkling of being a mom. At that point, you had not really thought about it or had thought about it and decided it's not for me. Yeah, I knew when he and I got together, I, you know, I told him I wanted a life of adventure and being kind of bohemian and being kind of atypical and that I've been an atypical person. Um, Before he and I got together, my plan was to move to South America and join a nun convent that had a farm and learn about like traditional healing medicines and like be abstinent and not have a family. So like that was the trajectory I was on prior so I, I mean I really am an I'm an odd atypical person yeah and I and I he knew that I, but I warned I him of that. that very clearly when we got together and he wanted kids but he was he wanted you more than he wanted kids yeah so. exactly he, you know he said he always wanted to be a dad um you know I noticed wherever we went that kids really liked him and he would light up and talk to them and but he'd always say that I was the most important thing and you know kids we're just a secondary want, and there was a million other things we could pursue in our life. So it, it was never, it was a non-issue. Yeah, it wasn't like he was pressuring you to have them. It wasn't like, you know, he 
felt like something was missing or you felt like he was compromising too much or anything like that. Like you guys had a healthy respect for each other and just an enjoyment of doing life together that, yeah. you know, if kids come awesome, if kids don't come awesome, if we buy a farm in uh, the Western slope, awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. How did your families feel? Like a lot of, parents have opinions about their kids having kids <laughs> um yes so my we'll start with my family my mom from the day I turned 26 called me on my birthday and was like when I was your age you were already blah and I was pregnant <laughs> with your sister and um you know I I have kind of like a distance relationship from my parents that I'm now healing as a parent it's very interesting um but for for good reasons, and, you know, I would just kind of get those calls and roll my eyes. I didn't ever take my mom super seriously. Um, sorry, Mom, if you're listening to this. Um, but my mother-in-law, who I do take seriously because she's not my blood family and I desperately want her to like me, um, you know, she made comments. Like, she came and saw our farmhouse before we bought it. And it has five bedrooms, and before that, we had lived in a condo that was 800 square feet. And so she was like, wow, great house for a nursery. Wow, this is a great playroom. <laughs> and would kind of lay it on in that way and would, like, offhandedly remark about, like, being a mom and what a great mom I would be. And it mostly hurt my feelings. Oh. It made me feel uh, misunderstood and unseen and, like, not valued for – I was like, hey, I'm – I make your son happy. Is that not good enough? Like we're having a full life. Is that not good enough? And so I feel like that kind of pressure and we get it from our friends. Like the minute we got married from that point on, the question was like, so when are you having kids? Are you having kids? When are you having kids? And like the more that came at me, the more I would like dig my heels in around like, I never want them. Yeah. Period. <laughs> Like, you guys are just making me more stubborn about this. Like, I don't want to reward this behavior. <laughs> yeah. Right. It sounds like that would have been, would have felt really, it could have felt really invalidating. Like, your decision that you were intentionally making to not have kids was kind of seen as, oh, well, you're just in a phase. And exactly. you're going to outgrow that. Yeah. yeah. And, you're going to change your yeah. mind and you don't know any better. Right. Did your Which, husband you know, get the same kind of pressure and comments, or were they mostly directed at you? He would get a little bit, and I feel like it was, like, kinder and gentler, where, like, friends of ours who are dads who are slightly older would be like, wow, I wonder what it would be like to be AJ's kid. Like, wouldn't that be fun? And it just felt a little more playful. Yeah. To me, it felt like a slight against me. Like, I'm just an empty vessel whose only job is it is to further the race and bring in more humans. And it kind of felt like this, you're not fulfilling your purpose. And that is, I was like, am I not, I'm regenerative farming, owning my own business, being a good friend, being a good relative. Like, is that not in service of the community? Is that not good enough? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like women get a lot of different kinds of pressure than men do around the family thing. And, yes. it, and it sucks. <laughs> It can feel like super harsh and it can feel like an attack. And it's not just like a, like, this is my life. I get to make decisions for my own life. Like, much less like your body and like everything that it oh, yeah. goes through. So then, and, and, oh, go ahead. No, no, continue. I was going to say to me, earlier in my life, 
I already felt so a little backstory on Nicole. She moved out of the house early. I've been financially, I like helped my parents financially growing up. I like was financially independent from a very young age. And I did all kinds of stuff to make money when I was in college. We'll leave it, you know, I, but I was a nude model for artists. I would fly around and take off my clothes and do weird stuff. And, you know, for a long time, it irritated me that my body was public because I was hiring it out. Mm-hmm. And so people could comment on it all the time. You should lose weight. You should do this. You should, you should stop eating. And so like, as a direct response to that, um, had a pretty bad eating disorder. I'm now a chef. So that's, but I like covered myself in tattoos and was like my fucking body. Sorry. Am I allowed to curse on this? Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Um, and so, you know, when I would think about it being pregnant and having a kid, I felt like it put my body back into this like public sphere. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's no one's business. What I do with it, how it looks, how I feed it how I utilize it, what it does or doesn't do. And so I feel like it also kind of brought back that sense of like the public, my community, my family feels like they own my body. And that's not true yeah. to me. Yeah. Like pre-baby and during baby, people people like to touch bellies. Oh. Have babies in them. People like Stranger. To touch- I, I live in a rural place where people also think that's really okay. I feel like in urban places, maybe a little less so. Yeah. More educated. I'm not sure. But especially when I got pretty close to giving birth, everywhere I went, I was like the magical healing belly. Like, do you have a cough? <laughs> touch your belly. It'll make you feel better. Got a headache? Touch your belly. I mean, like, everyone was like, can I touch your belly? And I don't like I mean, I'm I'm already really sensitive about touch, so that also irritated the bejesus out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. So then what was the process like from going from, like, that really, like, digging in your heels, like, your whole life not wanting to have kids and kind of deciding, like, everybody pressuring me to have kids, everybody asking me about kids, making me not want to have kids anymore. My husband is fine with not having kids. He loves me for me. And then... Now you have an almost one-year-old. What happened? So the pandemic was, is still happening. Um, But at the beginning, let me back up. My my husband and I have a few businesses. I have a farm-to-table catering business. We also own a small farm, diversified regenerative farm. Between just those two, we are so incredibly busy. We have so many people coming through our house to volunteer, to be here, to take part in projects. Like, we hardly ever sit still. In the first four years of being on this property on the western slope, we had pretty much no alone time, and we're madly in love, and we pretty much only talked business. Um, And, and, you know, and that has its own, like, that's a maladaptive thing anyway. But... (laughs) The pandemic gave us this opportunity to just be by ourselves for the first time, like, in in half a decade. So, you know, we ate a lot of food. We worked really hard. But then we had, like, all this free time with no one else around. And so we, like, actually got to be, like, in love and do the things that people who really like each other do. (laughs) And um, not to say we weren't doing that, but we were doing a lot more of it come (laughs) pandemic. So I'm sure there's, like, a whole... um, I'm sure there's a whole generation of pandemic babies out there. Oh, for sure. Um, Also, I'm sure it could go the other way. There's probably, like, a whole generation of pandemic divorces. Like, you really find out if you like the person or not. Um, And so, 
I had a feeling he got me pregnant when it happened. I just had this weird sense and we were running every day um like outside of where our farm is there are sort of these like badlands and we'd take our dog and we'd go running a few miles every day and I remember for like two weeks I would just scream at him the whole I mean I must have been in great shape because I was running after him and being like you ruined my life how could you do that to me (laughs) and sweet man you know he would just listen to me (laughs) Um, and then I took a pregnancy test and I was correct. And, you know, I just had some time to think about it. I didn't tell anybody, just AJ and I knew. Um, I had had an abortion nine months before we got pregnant. I was 27. Um, and that was like a really clear, like, F no, it's going to ruin my life. Like, we're not doing that. Um, and so the weight of that is no small thing. And I was thinking about how I didn't want to do it again. And then I did call, shock to my whole family, I did call abortion clinics. Um, But the problem was, um, because there was a pandemic, there was, like, limited availability to get in. A lot of them weren't offering that as a service unless, unless it was a medical emergency. So I... I'm a really intuitive person. I feel my way through life. I like really just kind of trust my gut. And I just sat with the feeling of like, Nicole, you don't want to have another abortion anyway. The The universe is making it very challenging for you to get one right now, <clears throat> especially because I live in Western Colorado. So it's, I live in a place where there, it's kind of a birth control desert anyway. Um, and so I started to think about... You know, in so many ways, I felt like my my solitary, autonomous, selfish, it is, you know, and not selfish in a bad way, but like, I want to do me. Like, that aspect of my life did not feel complete at all. Yeah. But I also started to just like soften my mind and my heart around like, well, what if you did do something different? Like, maybe that would change all these things that you're grinding up against in your life. You work too hard. You don't know how to relax. You know, AJ and I are, like, just very serious, hardworking people. And in some ways, I feel like we have lost our sense of humor. Um, Having so much burden and responsibility on us. And, you know, before getting pregnant, I was like, how will we remedy these things? Like, I just couldn't see. I couldn't think my way out of it. And so I, knowing there was a part of me who I would have to drag along with me, this sliver of open-mindedness in me said like what the hell you live once it seems to be the thing that seems to be what's happening that might actually change something for the positive and so I just I was like that's what we're doing and so I like I think a lot of people wait to tell their families for whatever reason and so that I couldn't change my mind, so that I couldn't go back on it, because I knew the majority of me did not want a baby. We told AJ's family and my family pretty much right away. Like, after I gave myself a week or two to sit on it, Yeah. you know, and, and that's right when I got violently ill, and uh-huh. so I was just violently ill for pretty much the rest of my pregnancy. It mellowed out at, like, six or seven months, but... Oh that's that that's how I got there and I was not ha- I mean I cried I had severe I wouldn't call it depression maybe 
but I feel like the conflict of my own personal interests. Yeah. You know, because I feel like when we say I am comfortable in all of my discomforts, I could stay here forever, that part of us is like really stuck on staying that way. And I feel like that little crack of light in me that was like, hmm, maybe this will change things for the good, um, was really powerful, but it also had to, like I said, like drag the majority of who I am along. Like I was pretty much dead weight my whole pregnancy, except for this little glimmer of hope that maybe it will be different. I remember I was eight and a half months pregnant. It was my birthday and I just sobbed. I, I pray. I like go out and I scream. I literally scream at the sky sometimes and I cry. (laughs) And I remember I went outside in the dead of winter and I was like, how could you do this to me? God, universe, forces of nature, please make it better. And so, I mean, I was very pregnant and very pissed about it still. Like up until the day I went into labor, I was pissed and sad. Yeah. But it was enough, There, that glimmer of hope was enough, or that glimmer of change, or, you know, whatever it was, was enough that even though you were violently ill and very upset and kicking and screaming the whole way, that little glimmer of, like, well, maybe this is the right thing. And I think also being a very intuitive person can help give that glimmer, like, the strength to drag you along. Um, yeah. But there, there was some part of you that was like, this could be the right thing. And I'm sure AJ was a prince because he treats you like an angel. He's wonderful. Yes. Your relationship <laughs> is very hashtag relationship goals. It's so cute. Hashtag <laughs> you know, he, he did exactly what I mean. It was he like was a pillar of this is going to be okay. And simultaneously heard and received all of my feelings and would acknowledge how difficult and hard it was. And I feel like, behind his strength that I needed him to show this is absolutely going to be fine. He was very concerned. Like still now that she's born, every time I'm like, I love her so much. This is so great. I can see him being like, Oh, phew. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. So yes, it was, was I think it was a lot on him. I, I really, um, you know, a lot on him also because, we have two very labor time and physically exhaustive businesses, and I couldn't do anything for six months. Yeah. I just laid around and, and tripped on my body's hormones, which was <laughs> trippy. That sounds wild. That, that hope that you mentioned before, was did you have any any specific hopes, or was it just more of this abstract this is just going to shake things up and let's see where the place where the pieces fall in a new way yeah I feel like I'm kind of a wild child person anyway and I seem to only evolve through like very big startling changes and not ones that were my idea you know (laughs) maybe that's how everybody is but I feel like I will like run a hundred miles an hour against a wall and like when it shatters something changes and it's like I may be moving in a certain direction not intentionally and the change happens often like painfully and out of my step sort of out of my control and so I felt that sense of 
this could be a positive change. This will force a change, and often, with intention, changes improve upon things. So, But you are right now uh, only at the beginning of this, this parenting uh, change, but what... What have you seen that it has changed that, yeah. Wow, so much. Um, first, first, I like my body for the first time ever. I have really oh. despised it. I've despised it my whole life. You know, I, I starved it. I overworked it. I hated it. I critiqued it. I, you know, and definitely those first few months of being a postpartum, like, injured person, yeah. That was hard. But now that I'm a year out, I'm like, damn, this body is a trans-dimensional portal for life. And I fed my baby with this body, and it looks good. Like, it's like, I feel like I've given myself all of this permission to have my wants, like, to feed myself, to rest myself, to kind of honor myself and what it is that's, you know, I don't think you have to give birth to honor your body that way. But it helped me recognize all the things I've achieved with it. And like seeing her be born and thinking of myself as like, I was once like that. And I've done, my body has grown and I've done all of these crazy things with it. And it's still young and vital and I still have a lot of life to live with it. And so it's just really helped me be embodied in a new way. Um, I don't feel stressed about anything. <laughs> I had I had postpartum anxiety for a few months which is hormonal and I think just like you are caring for a person who cannot care for themselves which is stressful but now that I'm like out of that again I'm like out in that window of a year I just feel myself being very in the moment of feeling like all that's important to me is like the tender love I have in my heart and like this small circle of people who I love and it also, this is kind of edgy, I don't know, it's, but I, th I think when you're a parent, especially the parent who grew and birthed a child, you think a lot about life and death because it's all the same. And I feel like my whole life I've worried, I've been like devastated about losing people I love. I like, they die in my head often and I like grieve them, I think just to like help myself deal with the fact that that's going to happen or it will happen and that has been like a burden on me and it's not that it's not still a burden but I just feel this like softness of like entering in and exiting out that feels like much gentler and I feel like much more relaxed around that I was a hospice worker for seven years too I was a I've been around a lot of death um, but this is the first thing that has made me, yeah, like gentle myself and my fears of losing people where I'm like, it's a miracle when we get here. It's a miracle while we're here. And then it's a miracle. We go back to wherever that is that we came from and to therefore just like really tune into and like listen and feel while I'm with people in a way that I couldn't before. And I'm a great listener. I am an excellent person to relate with because I really have always tried to drop in, but now I feel like my whole body, like in a sensorial way, 
trying to receive people because you don't know when they will leave. Um, and so just feeling that in a deep way has really like created a lot of positive change in my life, like palpable feelings of difference. Um, yeah, we're selling our farm. That's another one. I mean, that's a very physical one. Woo! And that's big. And we love farming. Um, we love the work. It's something we've always wanted to do, but I also feel like we wouldn't have allowed ourselves to see the ways in which our lifestyle did not fit our personalities. Because some people can work at home and they know how to like turn it off and relax and do other stuff. And Aiden and I do not. We are like type A psycho perfectionists who do not know how to relax. And I, we have a friend whose parent, we got married on her parents' farm and we call her parents our fairy godparents. And she said that growing up with very similar parents to us on a farm, she felt as their child burdened by their anxiety and burdened by their burden and like burdened by the fact that they could not relax. You know, it's a financial thing. It's a physical thing. It's like the animals, it's all of it, Mm -hmm. the weather. And so for AJ and I to admit to ourselves that we can be positive change makers. We can partake in the community of like regeneration and like something better for this planet and our people we don't have to do it there isn't one way and slaving away on 18 acres by ourselves may not be the only way and so to give ourselves some permission you know because she's in direct contact with our joy and our sense of relaxation like our organisms and so wanting to make a positive life container for her that starts with us where it's like well well if we're nourished if we're rested if we're happy if we're thriving like she's gonna do great and and we wouldn't have thought I mean I don't I think we would have been too stubborn and not come to that as quickly or at all I think that's so interesting big ones yeah (laughs) those are huge one thing that AJ said um I got to come hang out at your farm for a day a few months ago and uh, hang out with the baby and everything. And AJ said something about, you know, people always say that having a baby changes your life. And like, it does, but also it doesn't because it doesn't just change your life. It obliterates your life. It yes. Just completely obliterates in like, it. <laughs> in like the most like shamanic way. Like, it's like everything kind of just turns into, it just pixelates and falls away. And you're like, okay, what do I want to salvage? And what can we leave here? Yeah. I absolutely love that. I love how thorough and, and broad these changes are that you listed. Um, You mentioned just now, like this process of, shedding things and changing things and letting go of things as, as like a almost shamanic process that echoes something you said earlier about being, what was the word you use? The trans-dimensional portal uh, <laughs> yeah, of, of life. Like, yeah, yeah. Like that's, I absolutely love that phrase and I can, and I can see how, and I, I, I don't think I would have thought of this without your reflection but i can see how having that greater awareness and that experience of getting to act
actually function as that trans-dimensional portal could help the, your, the way that you also relate to death, the portal at the other end. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, I, I, I never, the dots seem so clearly connected um, when, when you put them together that way, but I don't think I would have connected them without that. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, is, is your, is the metaphysical, uh, uh, there's been a lot of metaphysical language. Is that a big part of your life and your experience? And yes. Um, you know, I, like I said, I have done a lot of things in my life and, You know, AJ and I, when we first got together, we went to the jungle in South America and, like, made and ate plant medicine with, like, old natives for a long time. It, like, continues to be a part of our life. Um, I temporarily dropped out of college because the tuition got expensive, and what started as, like, an academic case study ended up with me getting um, a degree in, like, light work. I'm like a reverend in like the Unitarian Universalist Church of Inner Light. And so I did, I did psychic readings more or less for almost a decade. Um, and I'm, and I, it's so funny because I'm really not that woo woo. Like I don't, like I, I hear and see woo woo people and I roll my eyes. So I'm like, there's nothing grounded about that. I feel like for me, my experience is like our physical organism is connected to the big physical organism and there's information and all of that for us and like we are these like little individuated consciousnesses that like kind of get stuck in like our fears and our anxieties and when we can get out of it there's just like in there's wisdom for us you know there's a lot of it and so when I think of my experience being pregnant being pregnant was the most physical, not metaphysical thing I've ever done. Like, Mm. I just trudged through my own garbage. I was just like, wah, I had a hard childhood. Wah, my parents were terrible. Like, wah, there's mental illness in my family. I'm scared. I don't like it. I don't want, you know, it was just like me being a big baby, being like, I don't want to. And I feel like anytime we get to, like, a change threshold, it's like we get to, like, the event horizon of the black hole our little ego is like don't no please turn back um and then it was really interesting how so when I went into labor the day I went into labor I was finally feeling good I was like okay AJ I got like two weeks till my due date I finally feel good I feel like I have energy my body doesn't hurt I don't have heartburn I'm not miserable like I could be pregnant for a little while. Ha ha. Um, and then I went into labor and I had had like a very healthy pregnancy, everything very normal. And then we went to the birth center and the midwives were like, Hey, we're just going to check you out and then leave you alone. I thought I was in a birth and like my, my bamboo robe with my like essential oils and like, you know, just have like an experience. And when we got there and they checked us in, there's like, there's something wrong with your baby and we don't know what it is. And it, like, instantly turned into something is scary. And, you know, to, like, meditate, you know, I had taken for granted that I was growing a life. Not completely, but, like, 
when I look back on it, I was so busy being sad for myself that I, like, forgot that there was someone trying to come into form inside of me. And so all of a sudden, like, at that, like, threshold of, like, now she's trying to come out, there's something wrong. I finally, like, turned inward, outward, I don't know what direction. I just started talking to her. I was like, please, if you could be okay, I am so sorry, you know, <laughs> For hours, it was like, if you could just be okay and get here, I promise you we'll have fun. That's what I kept telling her. Like, I promise you it'll be a blast. And I was so, it, you know, it really like shook me up quite a bit where I was like, man, I took for granted that she was just going to be fine. Um, and so she was, she was totally fine. She had the cord wrapped around her neck four times. Oh, my God. And every time I had a contraction, it was suffocating her. And to, and to come out, she had to, like, go through, like, a, it was intense. That's actually what happened to me, too, interestingly enough. Whoa. And so she came out, and there was, like, my midwife and my best friend and my husband and, like, a team of pediatric doctors waiting to revive her. And she was all purple, and AJ's crying, and my best friend's crying, and I just knew she was fine. I was like, I've been Whatever. talking to her, she's fine. <laughs> and so, like, just like, in the room, everyone was like, is she okay? And, you know, it, like, maybe took her 30 seconds or something to start crying, but I just sat there, and I was like, we're cool. Like, we fi like I finally made peace. Like, we are going to do this. And so, I feel like, that was how my transition from, like, this is a physical thing that is happening to me to this is a metaphysical thing that I am a part of and makes me a part of more. Mm. So that's my long mm. answer. Oh, that was, that was so good. You had me in tears. Oh, the, that was incredible. Uh, so it was very cathartic. You know, it was really... <laughs> I feel like I, when I am not a mom, I'm not cut out to being a mom, I don't want to be a mom, to I like actively in one moment was like, no, no, please, like, please give me a chance. And that's just been a blast because now like, you know, all the ways I feel like I was underserved and neglected as a child, it's so nice to be able to just like pour all of that like pain that has transformed like into like attention and love and care and it is so good I think about all the generations of like love that could be perpetuated and then I think about how it like helps me in a backwards direction mm -hmm. and therefore like in all direct like one of my friends who's very wise lovely normal ass but so awesome <laughs> woman when I got pregnant and I was sad she was like, it's very uncomfortable to open your heart to the world. And she's like, and that's what becoming a mom does. And I do feel that. Um, I do feel like I have so much more understanding and love. And I look at everything. It's so interesting, like, hearing the news and, like, tuning into the news. I listen to it in such a different way. Like, I think about, like, all those fires that just tore through right in my parents' neighborhood, actually. Thankfully, my parents were fine. Um, but I, my first thought was like, oh my God, what about all the kids? Like, 
How do you explain to children that all of their stuff is gone? How do you explain to a kid that the place that they're supposed to be safe is doesn't exist anymore? And so to like think about it in a different way, I never would have thought that way before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. And it's so refreshing to hear your side of things, your take on things, because I think it's just different from, you know, what you normally hear in the media or what you normally hear from like other parents, you know, this is what becoming a parent was like. And now I'm more stressed out. You know, my relationship with myself is worse. My relationship with my partner is worse, but it's going to be fine. It's totally worth it. Kids are the light of my life, yada, yada, yada. But it sounds like for you, it was a very holistically like positive experience. Once you went into labor, basically (laughs) everything. I mean, it definitely still, there have been moments of like, it's not easy. I feel like anything good is not easy. Like that's the exchange for like good and beautiful things are heavy too. And so I, I am really lucky. I have a very supportive partner. We, you know, my business, I have a business partner, a really amazing business partner who was at my birth. She's my best friend. And we've like figured out I've had the busiest season of my life with as a new mom and it like worked because I'm super lucky. Um, I realize it's not the case for most people either. And so I just want to acknowledge like it is hard day in and day out. It's just like hospice work. Like you just have to make sure the person's fed, cleaned, their diapers are changed. Like that's what you're doing all day. And it is monotonous. Better have some good podcasts and some friends you can call because it is boring. Um, but it's also magical. You know, it's, it's been the most magical thing, you know, to be a part of. Um, and I really feel for people who, for whatever reason, don't have, they're just like, oh, well, everyone told me to go to college. Everyone told me to have kids. Mm. Everyone told me to buy a house. And they're just kind of going through it on good faith or like, assumptions and then it's blisteringly painful when they get there like no one told me about this stuff that stuff all the things it brings up and I feel like whether it was like my cynicism or the things that have happened to me or the things I've gotten to be a part of in my life I like got to mull over all the difficult like I knew what was coming I knew the heart I didn't know about the good parts but I knew about the hard parts so I feel like it has made it, yeah, easier, lighter. I don't know. I think that's amazing. I could talk to you all friggin' day, all friggin' day. Um, is there anything that you would tell uh, somebody who decidedly doesn't want to have kids? Like now that you have a kid, would you be like, well, maybe, or would you just be like, nah, like do your own thing? <laughs> what would you say? Well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because a lot of my friends, I feel like generationally, we don't want to have kids. Yeah. I feel like we don't have the security. We don't have the trust in our elders. Mm-hmm. We're like, everything you've said is bullshit, older people. Trust in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hope in the future. Yeah. And it's so interesting because one of my biggest things, living on the western slope of Colorado, I feel like climate change, we were in, I forget, whatever, the New York Times, because it's happening at a much faster rate where we are. Like, you're, like the, the temperatures, the water, it's all happening much faster here. And so while I was pregnant, there's, like, wildfires, and the skies are orange, and it's a million degrees. And, you know, it's so interesting because I feel so much more optimism now than I ever have. Because 
I just realized, like, no one's guaranteed anything. No one's guaranteed time. No one's guaranteed a future. But we have something beautiful right now. And it, in a lot, of course, we need to be thinking about the continuation and, like, helping. But I also don't have direct control over that. And it's okay to just, like, enjoy the fruits of right now. And for me, my life has fruited because I had a baby. Like, I can, like... I can, like, feel healing in every direction. I can, like, feel myself having arrived in a certain way and, like, being here. And it's kind of like, you know, you have friends that, like, they have crushes and they're like, I'm in love. And you're like, it's not love. You don't know love. (laughs) And that's the one thing I wish I could convey in not like a sh- in not a shitty way, and not like a talking down, and not a way that says like I don't hear you, I don't understand you because I do. But if I could really convey the feeling in my heart to my friends who are s- who are really certain they don't want to have kids, and then you know it's like, and you can adopt. There's a million ways to do it, but to say like you have no idea the depth of love and forgiveness you can feel like, the tremendous quality of, like, hope and joy, it's impossible, actually, because you're, you, I feel like my heart had to be shattered completely open in order to feel that, um, and when I think of, like, okay, climate future, yeah, we could all be due, I mean, we could, it could, it could be three years, I mean, we could have four years, mm-hmm. maybe, like, my baby maybe not, won't live past four, and that is horribly heartbreaking to me, but I also, it's heartbreaking that my dog won't live. My parent, you know, it's like all of these, like life is just happening and I want to be a part of it. I want to be plugged in and, and I'm okay with tremendous loss if it means there's tremendous joy first. And I also, like if we raise little happy, well-adjusted, heartfelt climate warriors, life is going to go on somehow like this planet humanity may be scarce or sparse or non-existent but if we raise some super tough hopeful children like we might still be here we might still be making art there might still be poetry there might still be music and I feel like that that's the good shit so Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of that and and I and I you know and as I'm saying it I'm like you don't have to have kids feel that way but it sure helps Mm -hmm. I I had chills listening to you talk through all that. Uh, I'm having so many, so many emotional responses <laughs> in, in, this, in this episode. Oh, I'm loving it. But I, I'm 39 years old and have spent most of my life not thinking I wanted kids. And it's it's been within the last one to two years that I have started to have a a desire to be a dad. And for me, a lot of that has been as I have come to love myself more, I've, I've, I've been able to allow myself to see I would be a really fucking great dad. (laughs) And, and I, and I've struggled some with, yeah, with the like pessimistic outlook on the future. And, the I as I have shared that growing desire with with some people in my life, I've I've heard that no way 
would I ever consider bringing somebody into this world? Like, why on earth would you want to do that? And I, and I get where they're coming from. And your perspective on that hope, and as you said, you're more optimistic now than you ever been, have been. That's, oh, that fills, that fills my heart. It, it, it really does. Ah, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, it's a, I, I realized for me when I was not yet a parent, it was like there was the real way to look at things. And then there was like the rose colored glasses way to look at mm-hmm. things. And I feel like I've come into some middle way of like, yeah, I can see it all for how it is and it's good. And that's nice. Yeah. I love that. Nicole, where can people come find you on the interwebs if they want to learn more about um, your businesses and your baby and what's going on in your life? Gosh, um, the first place, because I am a chef above all else, so <laughs> funny, um, is foragesisters.com and uh, I think Forage Sisters on Instagram and then, gosh, I don't have like a lot of internet presence. You can email me. Nicole, it's too hard to spell. But my email, I will give my personal email out because I really do like love. I don't know. I like sharing. <laughs> um, that's about yeah. That's where you can find me. Also, Deer Tree Farm, though that is what we're selling um, currently. It's uh, my husband and I, and you can see baby pictures on our private Instagram account if you ask, which is Korea Family Photos, and they're really cute. Excellent. <laughs> that's awesome well thank you so so much for agreeing to to chat with us um like i said i could talk to you all day like we could easily have like four more episodes like just where we talk about all of that and more um i think you're fascinating i think beers got a lot more out of this motherhood conversation than he thought he would. <laughs> oh, so good <laughs> that's awesome and i want to thank I want to thank everybody who's here this week, last week, next week, all of it. Um, Anyone who has ever listened to a podcast or watched it on YouTube. I mean, you guys are what keeps us here. And um, I thank everybody who's ever been a part of the show. If you liked this show, if you got something out of it, go ahead and like it. Thumbs up, five stars, whatever it is on the platform that you are listening to it on, watching it on. Um, We have an Instagram specifically for the show now. Also, Beers and I have separate Instagrams where we share about the show anyway. Um, and we have a patreon specifically for the show as well where you can get uh like behind the scenes extra episodes extra long episodes q a um, and that sort of thing as well and those are all linked in the show notes and on the instagram and on my website so yeah thank you so much to everybody for being here thank you beers thank you nicole and uh, i hope everybody tunes in next week for another excellent episode thank you nicole see you all next time (laughs) thank you